What's up guys, welcome back to Rebranding Safety, the podcast and YouTube channel translating health and safety to help you save lives and save money. Today we have a celebrity on the channel, on the podcast. So first things first, I need to apologise to those loyal listeners that were expecting an episode last week uh, and didn't get one. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, you know we've had a load of technical problems. Hopefully they're fixed. You can see this is back. Um, my favourite microphone. Long and short of it, you've, you've already heard the story about the interface, but we also had this uh, interview ready to go with Jason. Spoiler alert, that's who is on the podcast. God, I'm shit at this, aren't I? Um, and basically, that went wrong as well. And um, we were, were like basically behind schedule now for about a couple of weeks. So, you know, shit happens. Life catches up. Um, and we, I needed a break. So we just, yeah, we just kind of just left last week. I apologise for those of you that were eagerly listening. I apologise that it was abrupt and we didn't really, you know, give any warning or anything. But, you know, these things happen. So there's the apologies out of the way. Coming back at you with a special podcast. Jason Anchor MBE is coming on the podcast today, right now. This guy, celebrity, like, just, I'm so humbled that he would come on the podcast. I'm, like, so proud that he would come and talk about talk on rebranding safety and it's just um it was an unbelievable conversation i'm so happy that we can share it with you as per usual skype is not the greatest um it's never going to be as good as a kind of face-to-face interview but sometimes that's just not doable so what do we talk about well we obviously talk about jason's two businesses proud to be safe and anchor and marsh which we have dropped the links in the description so don't forget to check them out we're also going to link abby who is the director of um proud to be safe and you can hit her up on linkedin um so if you're interested in anything any of the services from proud to be safe you can hit abby up on linkedin or just go to the website obviously and we'll link jason's linkedin as well we also talk about what businesses need to kind of fix health and safety, what's changed over the years. Um, Jason's story, obviously, we're going to touch on and his kind of transition through life and as a safety professional, I suppose, um, which he which he is, really. Um, and it's just a great conversation. So without further ado, I'm going to stop waffling on and we can get into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We are in a pressured regime of health and safety regulations. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. And your host, James McPherson. Okay, so third time lucky, I think, uh, with this one. A few technical issues and then and then mixed mixed dates. But um, Jason Anchor, MBE, Chairman and Director of Anchor and Marsh, Founder and Director of Proud to Be Safe, and motivational speaker as well. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Welcome. I know we were supposed to have your daughter, Abby. I think I am on uh, uh, the original one. I think I'm going to hunt her down and maybe get a separate one with her for sure. Oh, I think, yeah, I think it's a really good idea. She's, she's a festival, though, so. Do you want to 
do you want to take us on a on a little journey, Jason, as to you know how you are, your story, where you are now, etc. Yeah, absolutely. It, it all started ten years ago for me. Um, a chance meeting with a guy called Dan Curry. Um, he was heard my story third hand. Uh, he never met me. He just he heard my story um, from a, a neighbour who was working at one of the projects, working into uh, a safety presentation. And he just got chatting, and he told him my story, uh, you know, what he knew of my story. And Dan said, "I need to hear this." And we met up, and I. I just went through, I, again, I don't think I've got a, um, this spectacular story. It's just a story of me doing some of the work I shouldn't have done, resulting in me being paralysed in a wheelchair. But Dan quickly told me that it wasn't really the accident it was, it was interested in. It was, it was the, the struggle of life post-accident. Because that's what you know, he, he, he told me that people would listen to, well, not just listen to, but be more likely to do something about it. You know, you can talk about that over and over again. But, so I found 10 people on a ladder on the construction site in 1993, uh, resulting in being paralysed from the waist down. Um, and I really didn't cope. You know, these people have these horrendous accidents and just bounce back straight away. Uh, and I didn't. I really, really struggled. Um, you know, I've broken the marriage. So I was young at the time. I was only 24. And my wife left me out two young children. So all the all the battles that you, you face, but um, I didn't like to speak up about it. You know, I just sort of followed to the end and when I started drinking too much, abused antidepressants I was taking, um, had some counselling at the time, but again, I wasn't really, mine wasn't focused, I think that was the answer. So, you know, life just really got away from me a little bit, and like, some terrible things I'm quite ashamed of, but I started up with drugs. And again, not, not to get high, not to, Rebellion against society at lines, basically just off the code, and I didn't know what to do. Um, which resulted in 1995, um, an intentional overdose, came for 17 days on life support. So, the moment that the old trauma original accident, two years later, sat in the bedside hospital, doing slide fire, so switch machine off. Luckily, dad said no, you know, I, I survived it, and but again, I wasn't coping, but. When you've, when you've done something like that, I was just full of guilt and shame of what I'd done. So I knew I had to find a way of coping. And basically that's what I did. It wasn't, it wasn't living. I just found a way of coping. I got my kids. I was living at the time. Sam's living with my ex-partner, ex-wife. Uh, I used to see him all the time. And it was just, I focused on the kids and that was it. So I'd have the kids, you know, one weekend, I'd be able to eat them, we'd go to a for the weekend, I'd just like drinking all weekend. All the weekend, I'd have the kids. Um, Look enough, at have this good water skin, several water skin. So that is giving an interest. So I'd have my water skin, look after the kids, and drink it too much on weekends and not have the kids. So it just became a bit of a, a, bit of a cycle, found a way of coping, and at the time that was just what I was doing. I did that for a lot of years, I found that for... 
Sorak Pak. Um, so then, finish up the speaking, because yeah, I did like to do it, because I was in the law, I used to speak, I was working with dance, I was just talking about sailing, so people were on the day, they were stuck explaining to the white people do what we do. And I just get interested in it, but, you know, it was just something that can't actually sit in front of people and do this. I find it, um, like all of the stuff that yourself and, and Abby have kind of done is all very hard hitting and I, and I know Abby talks quite a lot in in um, like the get a grip kind of campaign about the effect on the wider family and stuff like that which is which is really hard hitting I think yeah absolutely I mean, when, when I hear Abby speak you know it gets me because you know in the, in the get a grip campaign especially she spoke from the heart but it was a really dense you know this is what my dad did. My dad took a decision to take the gamble at work, and we all came to the Now, obviously, I've got my granddaughter out, and Abby's just sort of saying that, you know, my granddaughter is going to experience a thing with her granddad that she experienced with her dad, simply because I did some at work that I knew would take. So, it's an amazing video, but you can just tell by Abby's voice you know, that, that um, you know, I, I, Still, I still let her down, you know, as soon as Sam um, didn't speak to me at all, he, he was speaking about a year again, he was talking about the impact of my accident on his life, you know, it's not just about the impact on my life, it's the impact that on you know, the kids and now, now, now the grandkids as well, and it's, sort of, you know, it's, it's quite hard to take. It's, um, do, do, do you see, like, when, you know when like you do your motivational speaking, do you think, do you think one hit one hits harder than the other, like the personal impact on you or the the wider impact on families, like with your audience, or is it is it one and the same? Or I think it, you, you can't you can't judge an audience. I think that's why in my story over the years I've built in more and more layers. I always feel that if you give someone a reason not to leave my story, they'll take it. It's just human nature. Mm-hmm. So if I let somebody off the hook by my story doesn't apply to them, they'll take it. Because no one wants that to believe it's going to, it could happen to them. So, you know, I, I go through the story next and what I did, being rushed off, so all the things that I actually hope people, and if that doesn't get them to talk about, you know, the curse of science, but, you know, I have to kill people out of people, and if that doesn't get people, then you talk about the conflict, the compensation, someone who makes them find money. And so I tried from the story to build enough in there that nobody can tap the excuse that my story doesn't apply to mm. um, And obviously, the old, the old final part of my story is that I don't get into late in the presentation and talk about a family. So you give enough people enough of your story to think, oh yeah, I don't want to do that. But then even the, the, the effect it has on your family, I don't think anybody can sort of um, come away from a session not being affected thinking, wow, this, you know, if I did something, it would probably be affected. So I, I usually keep my dad from one of the videos as well when they cry. So I think mean, they cry on video. It's just... People are talking, I think, what well, if I do something at work, this is the effect of my family. I think that is the bit that people can't get away from. Mm. Mm, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's just, I think it's something, it's an insight, like, you know, watching your videos and, and you know, watching you speak and stuff like that. It's an insight into the kind of future, but you, I still... If you haven't experienced it, I suppose you can never experience it until you experience it in a way. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I always still say, what do you do? What do you speak about? I, I, um, I always mumble. So I think, well, until you've seen it, 
can't really explain what it is. It's not just that I was when I met Dan, um, he gave some great advice. He was just become a motivational speaker. That's the naughty presentation because people hear a sad story and they're affected for how long they're affected for. And it's always always in the back of my mind that you're going to put yourself out of choking down the country. If you, if you, if you speak to the last few months, you're going to forget it. You've got to try and plant more seeds in there so that you can't forget it in a short period of time. And I think by, by speaking about the things I speak about, and anybody who speaks to comes to me advice or we take on as a, an associate speaker, I always give this advice. Try to make this, uh, the story not about you. Don't let it too close or people who think, oh, that was a sad story. It has to relate to them. You have to open up a little bit more and be prepared to open your soul just so. They get this feeling that wow, it happened to me. How did my life go? That happened to me. So, you know, that, that's what we've always done from, from day one. With the with the stuff, we're always trying to be behind it. We've got so much other media, like the, the videos and all the posts and that. But we're not not just the sell. They are. We get to just keep people um, engaged. So can, every now and then, people see a presentation and maybe things sort of. Sliding a little bit, showing the video, showing the video, I'm going to be crying, showing the video, I'm It just brings it back into the talk, front of the mind again. So our problem is that we nudge us. With the story we've got, people can remember, I'm open to people, believe it or not. We've seen them before. Until I start speaking, we go, oh, I've seen you before, so they don't even recognise me. It's the fact that we'll remember part of the story. Whereas, when I talk about setting up any people with Sam or walking down, I don't know if married or Frankie's on the show. There's always there's always a trigger in there somewhere, and if you can just tap and tap trigger, people are going to start remembering the story. Oh, I remember you. You talked about that. It's quite actually sat in the wheelchair, but you plant the seeds somewhere and we remember. And I think that is the, that is probably the difference. What we try and do, we try and plant these seeds that are in people's brain. People bump into me who've seen speaks of um, eight, ten years ago. And remember a certain part of the presentation. I remember when you said that, that was something, or that was really, they remember one part, and, and from that, then need to open them up, and can, oh yeah, and then that bit, and that. It's like watching a film. I, I, I always use the great escape as a sort of um, mm. the idea. Everyone on the Steve McQueen on the motorbike, but then you start pushing them, and start knowing more about the film. But initially, it's just one little bit. I think that's the important bit. People can't remember everything, but you can leave them. With something, you can always never forget. You then find a way to tap into that memory. So, I've always said the five seconds to me is the most important thing. But when people are just have that gut instinct that for whatever reason something doesn't feel right, that is the moment to do something about it. What most people do is over something a minute, they're entering themselves into doing it. So, we've all got that instinct built in. No matter what, in any walk, like driving the car, whatever we do, we have this instant thing where we question ourselves. And for me, that is the time to respond. And if we can start doing that, I think that can create something that's completely different. Where people just go, What is it? I don't know, but let's just stop the job for a moment and someone's going to do it right. If we get into that place, the amount of things that are actions we can stop. Because we are, we are getting better at big stuff. You know, it's a really complex lift or a, a really dangerous job. Guys are really switched on. It's when we're doing the less dangerous stuff. The guys seems to be that when I came now, so mm-hmm. but it all boils down to that, you know, 
when, when accidents are investigating and then an accident is an investigation, at some point along the line, some more is used phrase, oh, yeah, I'm sportsman, what's the right one day? In nearly all cases, prior to the accident, someone had a thought that something wasn't right, ignored it and carried on. Mm. It happens all the time, but, you know, I, I, think, I think where we've gone to with our presentations is big. We've built health and well-being into safe presentation. You know, it's not a not separate presentation of safe presentation. Now it's a health presentation. Now it's a, it's a health, safety, and well-being presentation. Which we're trying to we're trying to see whatever we know. What questions we're asking sort of industries. Who else is doing this? And so far, we've got nobody. It's either a safe presentation or well-being. Presentation. Me personally, it's, it's all linked to this. I'm definitely going to come back to the um, to the well-being piece because I mean we had a conversation around that in attempt number one and it was it was really good. I just want to kind of jump quickly on when when you're talking about like your other motivational speakers and and I'm proud to be safe. You've got like an amazing array of, of of speakers. That must be a really interesting conversation to have when you're saying like. Um, you know, I want you to tell your story, but you're not got to talk about you. You know, you need to like try and not talk about you. Is, is it kind of like trying to find like a a golden thread? You know, you speak quite a lot about um, speaking out and not being afraid to speak out. Is it trying to pick something like that for every story in a way? Yeah, I mean, obviously when people are brand new, I say, use, go through your story, don't change anything. But I always listen. You know, I, I always. Um, sort of laugh themselves sometimes, you know, I always apologise, because when people tell me the story, and I'll, they'll say a little bit about something that tries to be alive, and I'll go, oh no, that's amazing, that, that's the thing you need to get hooked on. Um, yeah, so we're speaking with the car, and we, we just keep finding find more and more people who, who present themselves to us, and we've got a right mix now of people. Who, so we, I'm trying to find speakers from, well, you know, a generic safety speaker, but also if you specialise, I've got Lisa Ramos, I've got Sula Matt Houston, obviously, who's a, who's a fantastic speaker, director of the killed four people in accident, and business groups, fantastic, killed four people, two of his brothers and two best friends, and Paul Blanchard is a wheelchair, and all these people are just presenting themselves, we're just all normal people, and it's just got that, got that message that you know, when accidents happen, they will have a devastating effect on people. I mean, Matt spoke um, a few days ago at the Shear event in the Northern Kings. I just blew people away. It's just a bank for a guy in prison states who just goes through the accident and, and sort of seeing people sat in the room and just blown away by his presentation because it's, it, it could happen to them. It, it's, it's always that area. People don't want to believe it could happen to them. You know, I, I'm, I'm so proud and every sort of leading this for these speakers that you know, motivational speakers sometimes get this thing that's all there's no purpose to them, but if people are trying to run a campaign or they're going to set on you know, a, a global journey or whatever it is, to, to get this, these people at the start or join a campaign, just to, you know, this is the reason why people are doing it. And there's so many stories out there, 
I'm very, very proud of all the speakers we've got. And, you know, you know James Ramsey's just come on board a guy who's got a little bit. And we, we're just getting sort of pushed up all the time with people coming. And that, that is the aim now, but what we're going to do about is, I just have this agency of speakers. If you, if you do a general talk, if someone's got a specific injury or a problem on one of their sites, we hope we'll have a speaker from that work environment. And that's the idea that you know, we, can, we can supply supply industry with, with top notch speakers who deliver a fantastic speech but leave something behind that we can go on as well. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's 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 interesting when you think well, I remember like listening to to some stuff and, and and your kind of message of you know always like speaking out and stuff like that always kind of resonated with me. But then I think back into when I was younger, if I'd have heard it before, would it have made a difference? Like, because so, like, I'm hard of hearing now, um, like not not profoundly. I can survive a day without my hearing aid. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's like on Skype call, for example, here sometimes. You know, people might think James looks like he's not listening. Well, actually, what I'm, I'm list, trying to listen really hard <laughs> because because you have to. And it's kind of would would if I'd have heard say your story or one of your other speakers um, before I was working in theatre or um, however I lost my hearing, would I have listened to that? And it's you just never know. It's that wise head on young shoulders kind of thing, isn't it? And then I think back to kind of. Is, is motivational speaking, you know, it's not, it's not just, you can't just do that and everything will change because you're not, you're not changing the environment in the business because I can listen to you, go back to the same workplace and just carry on. Absolutely. You know, that, that was always been the theory from day one, but it, it kind of shows short that from some people's going to take away and go, that one applied to me, so I'm not going to really listen. So that is the biggest thing. I think some companies, um, that's all they want to know. They had a problem. They think by getting a motivational speaker in, that will solve all the problems, and it won't. This is just a, you know, one of the tools you can use to get that enthusiasm. Maybe you know, people are still paying attention. Go, I want to change. I, I should change. But unless you come and do something with it, it will be so short-lived. And you have one or two people always be affected by them. You know, some people won't. Be. It's just the dynamics of an audience. Some people are for it, some people are answering, some people sit on the phone. So this is always down to the, to the, I say to the clients all the time, you know, what is your long-term aim from the presentation? So you think, I can change the world by doing a presentation. You're sort of mistaken. It has a, it has a limited effect. However, if it's managed properly, and, you know, we're just another client now, we the springboard to a full programme of sort of doing health, safety and well-being. We would like the springboard, and it works really well. You know, this is this is the reason we, you know, this is the reason we're the company on a technology process. You know, with the employees, and this is the reason we do it. And we get really good buy at the start, or or maybe we've got a you know a campaign out, and it's not really taking off. You're not really buying into it. You're speaking like this. This is the reason why you're doing this. You know, this is the reason why we're doing it. So we are a great tool. To use, but the companies are just thinking you can try people around sites, do presentation, and then <coughs> lasting change in a workforce. It's always changing anyway. You know, uh, you can talk of sort of um, uh, construction where guys are changing weekly, you've got different guys on the site, and you've done a presentation, you expect that to last with all the guys. So, 
Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to do. You know, I've done jobs in the past with snow. It's going to be no long-term benefit from doing that. Just been well doing the sign sheets. Bakery, glad to speak, and come again. So, yeah, we always, well, I think I've introduced my client, she always asks the question, what is your, what's your aim? What's your long-term aim with it? You know, what's it for? Um, worst one we always get is, you know, in the past, we've had an accident, can you come in and thinking, wow, this is, what, this is too late, we need to be in, continue to go and go. This is, this is all about, you know, the people got a good culture, get speaker and like us, it just enforces what we're saying. We, we, we can't really give the answer to the problem. We are you know, facilitate, but when things are going go and get speaking, uh, oh yeah, I understand now why we're doing this. And that's what gets inspired. So we call it since we to come then. We can just we just know by like, the first sort of ten minutes of being there mm-hmm. what it is. You know, the the managing director or the CEO of that opens the session, he sits the whole session. And they close it at the end, you think, wow, this is, or we get some companies who just go, we are doing there, we sign machines, we don't know what we're talking about, and it's looking for what, what, what you're trying to aim, and your guys are watching this, and one guy, I mean, he must have watched about 20 presentations, and he came to every session, stayed there, sat there, and he was a busy man, and yet he felt that he had to be there to, to show his, everyone in his company that he meant what I was saying, and he's there, these speeches have to be reinforced so many times. And I think historically, we've just been, let's go make those people and that's all that. Right. But like you say, if it's, if it's specific, like yourself, if you, if you had a presentation by a guy who's lost his hearing, you might have gone, actually, oh, I'm very really interested in this. But if the guy's talk about losing an arm or falling off a roof and you don't do that job, mm-hmm. why is that story? Unless he's pitched in a way that, this example, so taking short, or not not pointing the road, not when all all safety people driving. You go along that route, you go, oh yeah, I do that. Maybe just wearing my ear defenders. You know, I'm not over twenty. If I stop wearing all this stuff now, I'm forty. You might as well be affected. So by hearing stories, you know, are well, well, specific to the industry, are really really important. And again, you have to plant the seeds that this could happen to you, and how would you feel, how would your family react if you? And again, not always about major accidents. We've got a, a, a huge part of the presentation where we talk about minor accidents. Because there are, you know, when someone's supposed to stop all these decks and we're up and say, there are thousands of, of so called minor accidents. We've heard so many stories. You know, heartbreaking sort of good guys that have um, lost a finger. I used to have a presentation, he lost his finger. He was a dark player. And he couldn't throw his darts in, but he was a semi fashion dark player. And you think someone lost a typical thing and yet you come through his dark, and yet it cost his marriage. And you know, it was telling the story that his how he reacted was very similar to my story. You see, a guy lost the top of his finger, and you know, people who like down drones and can't play guitars anymore, or, or broke their ankle, and he's going to be a professional rugby player. So, all these what you might think as a minor accident to that individual, that's called life changing, changing his life.
the newspaper alongside. So, you know, I, I, I worked the other day for Network Rail, adapted the, the politics, and it was sort of the same area, and it was you fear in the room, but, the, well, I, I don't know what you call it, you just think that you know, these guys are all really, really suffering at work. So, yeah, they're still at work. So, unless we do something about how people feel, how are we going to stop the accidents from happening? Because, I get quite frustrated sometimes when I look at stuff, uh, I look at, I see businesses going like over the top or, or, or going with like blanket approaches, you know, say for hearing protection, for example, and, and you'd be like, oh, it's easier to manage if you just get yeah, everyone's on site to wear hearing protection. And, and I think in my opinion, and it is just my opinion, but in my opinion, what that does is, is it discourages people to wear hearing protection where they actually need it. Um, because they're being told to wear everywhere. And, and I think the better example would be a high vis or a hard hat, you know, on a construction site where there's just nothing above your head or, or there's no there's no moving vehicles. Why have you got that high vis on? What's it going to do? Um, and, and I suppose from your point of view, you know, I, I would probably agree with you thinking that, you know, just black banning ladders, for example, was the way to go. And that would probably be a justifiable opinion for you to have based on your story. Um, but but yet you haven't gone down that route. Like so, what do you have like an opinion on like blanket approaches and going over the top and things like that? And... A, a little bit. I mean, the guy using ladders, I'm popular at the association. I was thinking, it's not about not using them, it's about using them safely every single time. So that's why I stand on ladders. Um, but the blanket bands, it, it's, it's a strange one. I know people are really anti, and as you said, why should we be putting them in areas where we should wear it? But unfortunately, because the, the culture is some companies again this this goes back to where we should be and where we are. I mean where we should be that people would wear the PP in the right places and, and but the companies who sort of enforce it come to the conclusion that if there's not a blanket approach to everybody wearing it at all times, the guys in critical areas end up not wearing it. And it was like one of the clients they've gone through a situation where in a confined area the, the engineers have always Sort of playing with caps, you know, we have bump caps and we have bump caps, and so obviously on the same problem, you're going to really confined that the caps actually cause more problems. So, if an area, if the guys was in this certain area, they could not wear the, the, the bump caps. Mm. Um, so, six months later, we had to reintroduce, reintroduce it, it was a blanket because it's sort of not wearing another area. So, this is down to, you know, the, the individual, the, the, we should have a, a policy where guys can wear the right equipment in the right place. However, managing that on the side becomes impossible because guys just flat the rules and all the time, but it's in the van, I forgot it. And so I can sort of see both sides of the story on this one. And I don't think there's any right of an answer because the guys who have tried to do it sort of flat the rules and all the time, that guy in there with no helmet on board, and that was like, it is what it is, in critical areas. So how would you manage that? And the only way you can manage it is by the guy, the, the officers, doing it the right thing. But the way we are, we don't do it on It's one of ones. It would be great if we could do that, but how, how would we manage it? Mm. 
I think it, yeah, I think you touched on it, like, it, it all comes down back down to, like, culture. I think every single podcast that we have, we talk about this elusive phrase, culture, that that is banded around a lot, that a lot of people maybe don't don't really get how to implement it. it, it it's kind of like behavioural-based safety, but rebranded in a way, like, yeah. and it's a, it's that kind of everyone's I think everyone's kind of looking for a one trip pony do you know what I mean like like or we'll get Jason Anker in to talk about his story and then everyone will get it and wear PPE or or do what they're told etc do, do you think that that's changed over the years do you think we've got better or worse or I, I think it's a bit of a spell mate where we can't get any, any lower you know coming from the same thing we've got this we've got great players but we can't get this final bit where what one needs to change in the game this is where it comes to culture and what we've, what we've come to doing is that we've got some great policies and great procedures and all the equipment and we've got some kind of bagel program in. This is what a guy should be doing. And yeah, it's not quite working. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's always like a buzz and then type scenario. And I think now what's coming around is it's a holistic approach that we're all involved in this at every level. And we break out some of these barriers. And I think the, the, the thing is, the suspicion is that. Um, Imagine they don't really mean it. You say the right things, and when it comes down to it, we're expected to do it anyway. So, if we can get this, this place where everyone's involved and everyone feels like we can speak or everyone listens to it, it's the biggest thing about speaking up is being listened to. You know, it's like being guys to speak in the course, but then they're not listened to. We just never do it ever again. It's everywhere else, they'll walk a big waste of time. But the companies are really having success at the moment. They've looked at all this side of it, you know, it's not just classic. Short to stay for certain jobs, but all they know is the job is going quick. They've been like, no accident. Now, 
if they're in an accident, then like, why did we, why did we take the shot? Off? So how many how many potentials are out there that are being like sort of even rewarded for being doing great projects of way ahead of time, not just a little bit, but you know, so far ahead of time. But the only way you can do it was by taking shortcuts. And yet, the fact that no one's been injured, the guys are rewarded for getting the juggling quick. So, we then they're thinking, well, we'll do that next time. So, when we start taking more shortcuts, just last time we took shortcuts, we were rewarded for it. So, because <laughs> it's not talked about or invested, the only thing listed is the accident. It's not how come this got done so ahead of time. You know what I mean? So, why is that happening in the next state that we talk about? So, through the one taking shortcuts, they're going to take shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to happen, they know, how's this happened again? So, safety is a weird one for me. It's simply uh, rewarding things that aren't quite right because it's not going to happen. You know, when it's going to happen, you want to find out why it's happened and you need to play. Yeah. Opinion. In my opinion. Mm, no, I, I, I agree. I think... I think you're kind of touching on like like near near misses in a way, isn't it? Like you know, are we viewing those shortcuts as a near miss, or or, or was it even a near miss? What if it wasn't? I just, I think I think sometimes we we step we, we struggle to step back, take ourselves out of the situation, and look at something maybe critically, maybe maybe not, and and maybe just be kind of like mindful of it. And and I read about mindfulness in uh, Andrew Sharman's book Accidents to Zero. And as I was reading through it, and I was just like, I think this might be the one thing that we we might have been missing for a while. Like, like instead of safety being habitual and we kind of switching off and not thinking about it, in essence, we we start thinking about everything that we're doing and the, and the wider impacts and implications on on everything and the decisions that we're making. You know, and if I think back to like, if I was a mindful person when I was working in theatre. Would I have my hearing now? I don't know. I can't answer that question. But those kind of shortcuts, if we're taking shortcuts, you know, would mindfulness force us into a position where we go, why are we taking these shortcuts? Is there any risk in these shortcuts? You know, is this shortcut okay? Because it might be okay. And and then we go, this shortcut is fine. I'm going to tell my boss about this. Hey, look at this. I've found a new way to do it. Absolutely. It's gratitude, people saying thank you. you know, we're not very good at giving praise out, just for praise, saying, you know, not, not, not great to praise, you know, not uh, just thank you, that's a good idea, well done, you've done a good job there, this is really good. It enforces safe behaviour, just saying, oh, I don't know, I'm not being, I'm not being, um, I'm not being victimised for taking, you know, a little more time to get the job done, or, or, you know, all these things, the job's over and slightly, yet it's been done safely. We've made a good job and the quality is really good, and they have to really look at this. Always about, you know, you know um, people just look for the end result all the time. That job's going quicker, and we've got one quick, and that was it, and saved a bit of money. Without looking at the bigger picture. And sometimes, as you say, the guys themselves might know a quick way of doing something, and we don't speak all about it, we just do it anyway. And yet, if they spoke up about it, you know, the, the culture where people was listening to, you might be actually find probably that way of doing this job. And they'd go to management, oh yeah, we'll implement that, but it's not, it's not it never happens. So the guy's now taking the shortcut, he's doing something that should be doing, and he's not doing properly, you know, there might be a few, few tweaks in it to make it safer. You know, we found a shortcut, and yet we maybe need a little bit more things to make a real safe procedure. 
because mm. the philosophy got back, so that's why I own the risk there. But, you know, I don't know if anyone takes it. If you take it, if you take a short, you probably learn this yourself from one of the theatres. You find a short, what saves you a couple of minutes. You never stop there. You find another one. I mind my another one, and the danger is, over a period of time, say six months a year, you can be so far away from how you're supposed to be doing it, you are working in danger, and yet all you've been doing is something short, mind thing you don't think about a day. You've got to look six months down the line and where you've come from from the job you're supposed to do it, from the way you're supposed to do it, you're probably amazed. And the reason you carry on is because it's not an accident. And then they're the act, then there'll be an accident, and then you look and go, wow, look what you're doing, and you go back to the start and start from there and study and shoot away. No one no one's worse than the same. If this is a period of time where short ones were taken and you were in the human nature will take another one and find forcing you to see yourself five minutes on the job. Mm-hmm. And this is amazing. You, you put yourself in so much danger. Um, but as you said, right, so maybe you come across a, an idea and think, oh, this will save a bit of time. We need to act like, but we need to go to management and go to implement so everyone knows what's happening. You know, so maybe we can make a shortcut and make it safe where. This all goes back into the speaking culture. It's, it's an open culture where you can approach them and go, can you rather put this? I think there might be a better way. And if it's going to be a better way and it's still safe, that could be implemented across site. Maybe a bit of a training required for everybody so everyone knows what they're doing. But People just find shortcut and pass it on, and it's not regulated. But it goes back into what I've said before. When if that shortcut is saving a bit of time, imagine going and looking at what, what, why are these guys saving all this time? All the neighbors are saving time, yet it's not been an accident. So then they ask the question, how, how are you doing this? Mm. So it's been an accident. Why do you break the rules? Why do you break the rules? So it all goes back to. And, I think it's supposed to be living in this no blame culture, and yet, Tim, I suppose, saying there's no blame culture, but it's like, no, we're not blaming. I think that sort of implies that straight away, we look at an accident, who's to blame? Who's to blame for this? Who's been a false Who's to blame? And yet, the culture's been, it's been like this for a long time. It's not been like, yeah. same thing has changed. The only thing's actually changed is, on that particular day, it has gone wrong. There's been the accident, and I was up and I'm saying, how's this happened? Look, mm-hmm. Despite people feeling like that, you've got value. 
he can really, really grow. You know, the management is really good, the coach is really good. But here on the other side, they've got to an hour more money, and that's a toxic side, you hate your job, you hate up in the morning, all that stress you have at home because you don't like your job. So for me, money is important, obviously. I really don't believe that money is a driving factor for safety. Yeah. Sometimes it's made out to be the biggest cause of safety, the pay's not right, I'm chasing the money. Uh, I think it's enjoyment. You, know, enjoy, you enjoy what you do, enjoy your job. It's amazing what people do. Yeah. And quite as well stay with the company just because they, they like the company. Mm. 100%. I, I, I think, I know you work, you're working very closely now with, with Tim Marsh and, and he says that quite a lot, like it is in his newer stuff is around like, you know, if you focus on the mental health and wellbeing side of things, like you were saying, you know, you fix everything else. And I think, I think, I was having a conversation with, with a colleague and, and, and they, they kind of didn't get that. And I was like, well, if you look at all the stuff that you need to do to, to get good mental health kind of workplace, you're talking about employee involvement, engagement, feedback, you know, essentially you're just creating a place where people want to go and work. And then if somebody wants to work somewhere, they don't want to hurt themselves or hurt anyone else. So inherently it becomes a safe place to work. Investing in work 
be honest, the last time I went to do the bar, I mean, that's how it sort of came around. Um, on the last day of the trip, the last day of November, we took the ball to Linda Cam and flying in the desert. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know how to do it back there. And I went out there to this Linda Cam from the desert. So these guys live in the camp and go to work. And I'm finished with it, go back to the camp. That's it. Get about two years at a time, away from the families. On average, they earn about $300 per month. That's what I've just sent them. So the company I was working for was having sort of loads of sort of minor accidents. But they did, they did this because it was right for me to do it. And the guys were out there with a with invested bit of money in the camp. So we improved the facility of the camp, the toilets and showers, the quality of food the guys are eating. That's all they had. So we improved what the guys are eating, proper nutrition, and a good mind out of work. And we found Coca Cola and all the things on the side to drink water to eat. Um, when the um, got computers in with Wi-Fi, so the guys actually used to talk to the families back at home on Skype and what have Then the, to the fitness side of it, it gave me like a cricket competition, a morning to tea, and the farms were able to do by cricket round. Not all the people went to spectate. You see, we did that solely because it was the right thing to do. But what we noticed was, as we improved their health and well-being, we saw a, a dramatic uh, decline in accidents on our sites. Well, yeah. Also, these guys are engaged, they're doing better about it, they're doing proper food, they're trying to get their fitness. It's just, as you've said, in a way, safety started taking care of itself. Because yeah. Because they're engaged. So, but, and these guys are, you know, just the ladies, all the swimmers. If they can get this, it wasn't ran down the boat, this was an observation of what they did, it was the right thing to do. So, Maybe a company be invested in the health and well-being, you know, especially the well-being of the workforce. Maybe too, we see this dramatic improvement in safety because presence is by far the biggest problem. We've got people coming to work because they have to money. Yeah, they're not they're not engaging the workforce. What, I mean, what's that effect? That's on quality and production. If we get people happy, if we get production better, quality better, I think safety will be better. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it, I just I think if you had all those things and and you you just kind of stop stop treating workers like well like like workers like you're you're bringing people into your workplace to to do something for you if it's your business for example to do something for you to earn money and you're paying them for that and I think we're in a kind of like a national culture or maybe even an international culture of you know you, you get paid so what else what more do you want like you're getting paid and and that kind of thing you said earlier about like you know just don't don't go around and tell people what they're doing wrong go around and tell people kind of what they're doing right you know i did a podcast um where i had um, stevie just a a local safety professional and we were talking about it and i said we're talking about manual handling instead of walking around the warehouse and saying oh you didn't lift that right find the people that did and go over and give them a high five or something just make it a real enjoyable place to work and people will just enjoy working there and like you said will just become inherently safe and uh, and then that kind of brings me to another conversation I had with somebody else that was talking about we, we were arguing basically about the way that a business should go um, to, to become safer and, and I was saying we need less procedures you need less paperwork and you need to upskill if you need to upskill get competent people and then trust them to do their job and look after them 
and remove the paperwork. Oh no, we can't remove the paperwork. You need to remove the paperwork because you're you're making people stupid. You're you're telling them step by step what to do, so they can't think out the, outside the box because you won't let them. Um, and they were like, well, I used to work for a company where they had a procedure for everything, had a procedure for like a cup of tea, and and I, and I was like, whoa, that sounds like a fucking lovely place to work. Yeah, <laughs> I do not want to work there. But we kind of have this kind of learned helplessness kind of way of life at the moment where we're told how to do everything and we can't think for ourselves. It comes back to kind of what you were saying earlier about, and I thought that was really interesting. You were saying about how we've lost the social side. We used to be really bad at safety, but we're actually really good at well-being. And now we've got kind of we've brought our fatalities down to a plateau of I think it's something like 130 a year on average in the UK. Um, that might be completely wrong, um, but it's quite low. And but now actually the numbers of like stress and mental health are going up, and 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 smaller injuries are going up, and it's like. Well, hang on a minute. We think we're doing really well, but actually we're not. We've just shifted the symptoms. That really is what we've done. We've just changed the symptoms, but we've still got really the same illness. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, we're stressing mental health. Like I said, people have to come to work. We can't, well, we can't afford not to come to work. So, they come to work with problems. How much yeah. opportunity your business? Because they like to swim I think that's it's such a massive area to look at. Uh, people have to come to work. And I know there's a massive, right, especially construction, you know, you know, the makes of mines, it's really targeting people with you know, suicides up in the end, which we all, obviously have to do it like that. I'm totally on board with that. But also, that's what people are just struggling in the workplace. What actually struggling because for whatever reason, when they come to work, and again, if we can get this place where it's okay not to be okay, I'm just really appreciate it. Where this is where people are 
expect the end of hesitation. You mentioned him wrong, he's quite a bit of stain in the race from an We said, well, go and tell the supervisor, which told us. And we go and tell the supervisor, and the supervisor said, oh my God, do you need to, you need to go home? And he said, well, actually, no, actually, we feel a lot better now, we've actually said it. So, again, getting this problem around there is really cool, but you have to have a receptive, you know, something to speak into a, a mental first lady who's going to take great from 50 doctors or a company that actually listens to what the problems that people have got and does something about it. You know, we, we had a guy who was struggling with a supervisor and a very successful person, someone who's home line. As his standard drops as a supervisor, he's sitting on the period, so the standard of 10 guys working below him, so he's on the misses, and there's no second guy. And just by chance, one of his managers said, you know, are you okay? He said, no, I'm fine. He said, what's the difference? Last four or five years, been fantastic. Last six months, been a nightmare. So they've got any problems at home, we told them everything. And the guy said, all right, well, now we're now, I'll do something about it. So get yourself home, a month off work, we'll pay for you. So a month off work, came back, he didn't have a professional being a supervisor for a few months. Now he's back in charge of being a good supervisor and a great team of lads. Now the easiest thing to do was to accept him. You know, he's been a near miss, and none of these were second offence. Well, they chose not to sack him and they gave him some time off. But as this guy standing the base back there before, what happened to the next 10 guys working below him? Oh, yeah, they came back again. But if they were second guy, it would cause nothing but bad deeds. All these guys in this guy was struggling, you haven't spoken about it. So a new guy would have come in, he wouldn't create a new workforce, he's not getting So it just shows the power of what we can do. And that was a small investor, and they gave him a little pop work with pay. Mm-hmm. Not to do that with pay, but they did, and they thought, for such a small investment that they were to pay, the guy got back in a good supervisor, and right? plus 10 more guys working. So and when you say, what is an investment? Probably pay that for an improvement agency to get a super finding. So, again, this is about treating people right. But what it also does is that other people notice that, like, oh, this couldn't be really cares. They do care. So, if I was doing that, go for it. So, you create that environment, and all of a sudden, if you think around a golf on a Sunday and you tweet your shoulder, how bad is that injury? You know, if you're working in a really toxic workplace, that's severe pain, and that money might not work. I mean, a lot of pain. Whereas if you work for a really good company, that pain might not as bad as what you think of it. You don't want your shift. So the knock-on effects are the people, you know, how bad is pain? It's only a situation for how you do it. If you're, you know, if you're a really struggling workplace and workplace bullying or all these things that add up, or, you know, you're costing your company money. You're costing your company money. So I'm president, I think last year, by 
like a new ship. So back to the garden, he's got like a company at work, just by opening up his box. His boss saying that's absolutely fine, we'll get through it. You know, I'll be able to come back tomorrow and be fine. Just just shows that how powerful this this would be. Because people uh, who are suffering from mental problems don't necessarily want time off work. You know, but for some, yes, the people on the extreme, many people, but some people, all they want is recognition and they'll be able to support them. They'll still want to come to work. As I said, what people have spoke about it is that they actually feel better. But what it does is, other people who maybe struggle with work like I said before, and maybe didn't want to speak up, see this positive reaction to all these people about struggling, and other people speaking up. But also, it's okay to say, I'm not going to go today. And I think the bit that sort of concerns me is what if you've got a critical job, and you've got a few bags of think then when you you were saying that that kind of golf analogy you give I could just think um when when we kind of when I was what I was watching Wimbledon the other day and um and it, and the commentator said something that reminded me of like watching rugby um and then playing rugby as well that everything hurts more when you're losing you know when you're losing it's colder it's your, your ankle hurts more if you've got a recurring injury it hurts more when you're winning you know I remember having a really bad ankle and trying to chase after somebody that was going to score a try it was so painful but with ball in my hand on the way to scoring a try what ankle there was there was nothing there because your adrenaline comes on it's that kind of power of positivity that you're that you're kind of talking about I think that's exactly a great, a great um, example of, of 
what this can do for you, despite how you feel. Mm. How you feel is massive. So, so you know, the productivity, absenteeism, presentism, this is <coughs> a sort of no-brainer. It might, it might take a small investment up front to get this product, mm. but I think the rewards will be absolutely huge, you know. Yeah, I agree, 100%. So I suppose that we, we, we've been waffling on for an hour and I'm sure we could both waffle on for a hell of a lot longer. Um, but you've, you've probably got a life and I'm, I hope I have as well. Um, do, you want, do you want to give us like a quick um, a quick overview of like Proud to be Safe and Anchor and Marsh as well? And if people want to engage with them, what that is, what it looks like, how they do that? Yeah, I, I obviously really proud to say, man, that is just really a place of uh, inspiration of speakers. So we've got a thing like eight or nine now sort of signed up and, and really, really help them. Obviously got a few little bits that we've got to keep the message going you know, as long as possible. So these are great campaigns, great for starts. Uh, whereas then from my side, it is more keeping, stuck, keeping it going for a long period of time. So obviously the surveys quite where companies are and developing a range of courses um, health, safety, and well-being. Um, the companies to take further, and you know, that side of it is a, a bit that's sort of more long, more long-lasting. Um, but any different in my opinion, supervisor and the different companies like that. So that's where we are doing. And I'll put websites and um, I'll put some LinkedIn links in there in the description as well, so everyone can um, find their way over there. Thank you very much, Jason. That, that was an awesome conversation. Same. Okay, guys, I hope you found that useful. I absolutely loved talking to Jason. It, I could just go on for hours and hours, as you probably tell. To be honest, I could go on for hours and hours with all of our guests. But to talk to Jason, again, was just such a humbling experience. And just for me, just just uh, just something I thought would never, ever happen. So I just buzz in. Um, I hope you got some value out of that. I find it really, really interesting that we're now all talking about this kind of well-being and that actually... Jason raised such a good point where he says like we actually used to have well-being and, and, and really good well-being sorry when we had like your conservative clubs and your working men clubs and everything and, and everyone would just kind of get together and you would have work nights more often blah 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 and you had that kind of family feel in the workplace which you know it was amazing but yeah we were really bad at health and safety and now we're kind of we, we are good at health and safety we can't deny that um, but yet our mental health is is just something we really struggle with um so it's just funny how we're we're looking for that one trick pony and and we had something really good and we just got rid of that um and tried to do replace it wholly well we should have kept that one bit and started fixing another bit so i thought that was really interesting conversation i hope you found some value in this if you listen on any kind of platform for podcasts please share this podcast we would really really appreciate it we do share it feel free to toot your own horn and tweet me and say yo i shared your podcast um i'm not embarrassed i'm listening to a health and safety podcast and you know what this is pretty interesting if you listen on itunes give us a rate and a review we really really appreciate it and don't forget to screenshot it and tweet us rebranded safety um and let us know that you again want to tweet your own tweet your own trumpet see what i did there not intentional whatsoever um so we can give you a shout out 
Come check us out on Facebook as well. Rebranding safety. We're literally everywhere. I'm everywhere. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me. I think I'm McPherson J8, something like that, uh, on Twitter. And then on LinkedIn, pretty easy, McPherson. I'll link everything down in the description. I hope you enjoyed this, guys. Catch you next week. Safe.